Radio Craycon. Hi there and welcome to episode 9 of Get Your Creek On, a podcast about Jonathan Creek. Welcome to Get Your Creek On. Uh, yep, thanks. Thanks for joining me today and to those of you who've subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify and wherever else it can be found. I haven't really kept too much track of that kind of thing. I don't fully understand how shows make their way onto some of the places they get to, but I assume it's all good. Today it's a double whammy of episodes 4 and 5 from Jonathan Creek's series 2, The Problem at Gallows Gate, part 1 and part 2. It's the only time this is going to happen, so this will be a unique and groundbreaking edition of the pod. Fingers crossed it doesn't turn out badly. The Problem at Gallows Gate Part 1 aired on February 14th, 1998, and Part 2 the following week on February 21st, and each pulled in 9 million viewers. Aussie guy, let's get things moving here. Episode Synopsis It's a dark, blustery night and two young ladies are driving through the countryside following directions to Duncan's 30th birthday party. They reach the enormous gothic mansion at which the shindig is taking place and en route from car to house one of them almost falls into an open grave, which is a bit weird. They're met by Duncan who is thrilled to see one of them, Felicity, and barely even remembers the name of the other one, Claire. They head on into the party, which is a very odd affair, like something out of an Agatha Christie novel, but set in the 90s. Everyone's wearing suits and ties and ball gowns and stuff, even though it's a 30th birthday party piss-up. Duncan introduces the girls to all his pals, including some former colleagues from the armed forces. Later on, as everyone's heading off to bed, Felicity rejects the opportunity to spend the night with Duncan, much to his palpable disappointment. Later still, Duncan's been drinking alone in his room, angry, and heads upstairs to another bedroom to find Felicity in bed with his pal Neville. Duncan gets irate with jealousy and ends up jumping off the balcony to his death on the patio below, yelling as he goes that the open grave was open for him. Friends run out to Duncan's corpse, which is subsequently taken away by an ambulance. Meanwhile, Jonathan is accompanying Adam Klaus to some kind of village fate type affair, delighting kids and pensioners alike with tricks and whatnot. Jonathan calls Maddie to see if she's still on for a night at a Huey Harper jazz concert that evening, and she regales him with the sad tale of how she was burgled the previous evening. In the car home, Adam lets Jonathan into a secret. The famous blind trumpet-playing legend Huey Harper is in fact no longer blind, having had an operation to reinstate his sight. But this is to remain a secret, because being blind is Huey Harper's entire brand. Later on and elsewhere, Felicity is at work in the cottage that she shares with Claire. She's an animator, but is in a terrible mood and storms out. She goes off to Neville's house, the guy she was boning, but he's been ignoring her. They have an argument and he makes it clear he's not interested in pursuing a relationship. In fact, he's actually already got another girlfriend. Felicity looks on the edge of a massive breakdown. 
at Adam's house, his girlfriend's feeling sick and can't go to the big jazz gig tonight. It's fine though, there's someone else who can take her ticket. Adam's sister Kitty, who's invited herself to come and stay for several days. She's much older than Adam and he finds her endlessly irritating and now she's going to be coming to the gig with him, Jonathan and Maddie. They have a great time watching Huey Harper and his band and they meet the man himself afterwards. He feels his way around Maddie, which she allows because he's blind but Jonathan, knowing more, looks on shocked. Afterwards, Jonathan tells Maddie about the non-blindness and she's predictably outraged. Jonathan's staying over at her house and they have a bit of an awkward misunderstanding about the sleeping arrangements. He then invites her to a badger watch at Gallowsgate Nature Reserve the following evening. Felicity gets back to her cottage with some shopping and finds Neville's new girlfriend Kiko there waiting for her. She gives Felicity some weird Yoko Ono-esque nonsense about forgiveness and whatnot, and Felicity ends up attacking her hair with some scissors. Huey Harper heads to Adam's house to hang out, and he repeats the physical molesting trick upon Adam's girlfriend. A bit later, he accidentally goes into the wrong room and sees Kitty topless. She's unperturbed because, obviously, he's blind, but in reality he gets an eyeful that he really had not gone looking for. Jonathan, Maddie and Kitty go to the Badger Watch that night. Maddie immediately gets bored and a little later Kitty heads off to go to the toilet. Unfortunately, as she's walking near Claire and Felicity's cottage, she sees, using her binoculars, a man strangling a woman in the kitchen. She rushes back to fetch Jonathan and Maddie and they head to the house to check it out. It's locked and in darkness, so Maddie ends up smashing a window with a brick to get inside. They find Felicity's dead body in the bath. Nearby, a smoking pipe is lying on the floor, possibly having fallen out of the killer's pocket. The doors are all locked and the tape has been taken from the answer machine. How strange! As they wait for the police to arrive, Jonathan inspects various pairs of tights that were drying and others that were lying in the bin. The coppers get there, as does Claire a few moments later, and when she finds out what's happened, she's naturally devastated. At the police station, Kitty gives Detective Inspector Barrison the vague details she has, which aren't exactly endless. He shows her a picture of the recent party Felicity attended, and asks if any of the men in the picture are the one that she saw strangling her. Kitty points someone out, but when Claire is shown the picture to provide the man's name, she says Kitty must be mistaken, because it's Duncan, the guy who killed himself leaping off the balcony three weeks ago. That's the end of part one, and here's the start of part two. Jonathan and Maddie give their formal statements to the police, and the next morning discuss everything back at the windmill. It couldn't possibly have been Duncan who did the strangling because he's dead. Unless he isn't, of course. Duncan was a pipe smoker, but Jonathan reckons the pipe they found was definitely planted there, and also that Felicity's boots were removed from her after she died. He's on the case already, some man. They go back to Gallows Gate and talk to Claire. While they're there, Claire realises another tape has been stolen from the answering machine. How weird! She asks Jonathan how Duncan could have committed the crime, given it's now been confirmed that he's definitely alive. Maddie and Jonathan look astonished, and then Claire updates them. Duncan's fingerprints were found all over Felicity's boots, which she'd only bought three days before she died. 
Back at the windmill later, Jonathan and Maddie are talking when Claire phones. A third answer phone tape has been stolen. How odd. The three of them arrange to travel up to the big party house at Northumberland to check out the scene of Duncan's death, or alleged death. Jonathan inspects the blood on the patio which is still there. It looks a bit suspicious to him as if it's been dropped from several feet, rather than dripping out of the body of someone lying on the ground. They get inside and poke about, looking over the balcony and about the place. Jonathan has a sore back and Claire, an osteopath, does a quick bit of work on him. Jonathan thinks he's figured out how Duncan faked his own death and he's about to explain it but then they hear someone entering the house. They hide in a cupboard but are subsequently discovered. It's Detective Inspector Barrison. Jonathan explains that Duncan's leap off the balcony was in fact into a net concealed beneath the grass below, with the grass itself on a board that was immediately slid back over the net into place by an accomplice after Duncan had landed. Another accomplice upstairs had stopped Neville and Felicity looking over the edge until the grass was back down and Duncan had repositioned himself. They then had his corpse taken away with everyone else just assuming that he was dead. Claire then remembers that Duncan's accomplices have a flat in Maida Vale and perhaps that's where Duncan could be hiding out. And right enough, the police go round, find him there and arrest him. They also find an answer machine tape in his bin. How bizarre. He's made to stand in a police lineup and Kitty positively identifies him. Later on, Jonathan's wondering why Duncan won't just confess to the murder. After all, Kitty saw him doing it, and his fingerprints are all over the house. Jonathan then has one of his incredible moments of realisation, and tells Maddie that they need to go back through everything again from top to bottom, and figure out exactly who actually killed Felicity. The outcome of all this is that he, Maddie and Claire head to Neville's house in the middle of the night. Jonathan explains all. It was, in fact, Claire who murdered Felicity. Duncan had turned up at the house that night and, while he was there, Neville left a message on Felicity's answer machine, telling her to leave him alone and that he hated her. This caused Felicity to go nuts, throwing an entire tub of pills down her neck. Duncan put his hand round her neck to stop her swallowing them, and that's actually what Kitty saw happening through the window. Felicity went unconscious, so Duncan put her in the bath, locked the door and left, removing her stockings first so that she couldn't try to hang herself with them. Claire had been hiding and saw all this happening, and after Duncan left, she went into the bathroom and strangled Felicity because she secretly hated her too. She then removed the answer machine tape so that Neville's message couldn't be found and suspicion would not be diverted from Duncan to him. Neville went there afterwards and stole what he hoped was the tape with his poisonous message on it, so that police wouldn't suspect him of killing Felicity. Duncan later went back and stole a third tape, because he wanted to get hold of Neville's recorded message, so the police could corroborate his story of Felicity being driven to suicide. Jesus, complicated. The episode ends with Jonathan, Maddie and Kitty watching Adam perform live on TV. Huey Harper is going to be the special guest, and as he prepares at the side of the stage, Maddie slyly reveals to Kitty that Huey can actually see. Kitty has a flashback to the day when he saw her in a state of undress, and she nips down onto the studio floor, commandeers a massive boom microphone, and smashes the creepy pervert over the head with it. Nicely done.
episode analysis. The problem at Gallows Gate is the only ever two-part Jonathan Creek story. It was initially a single one-hour script intended to be the sixth episode of series one, but the BBC decided that they only wanted five episodes for series one, and when series two rolled round it was intended for all the scripts to be 50 minutes long rather than one hour. David Rennick was therefore faced with the task of hacking 10 minutes out of the script and he didn't really want to do that so he decided instead to flesh things out and make it a two-parter. As we've noted before, Adam Klaus wasn't really featured in series one, so presumably the whole storyline with him and Huey Harper will have been included as part of the new stuff added in. What this leaves us with is the first part being a bit more full of light-hearted and comedy type stuff, with part two dedicated more to the solving of the actual mystery itself, and of course the denouement, which overall gives Gallows Gate a pretty distinctive feel from all the other episodes. I think the extended story really allowed a lot of jokes and humour to breathe throughout with numerous excellent moments, the elderly man doing his magic trick of hanging above the fire, and also Jonathan's face at the state of Maddie's burgled flat when she claims to have actually spent ages putting it straight again were terrific moments, as was Adam accidentally summoning his pet tiger, exclaiming, Here, Kitty, when his sister turned up. Kitty was portrayed by Jennifer Piercy and was a delightful addition to the story. Her strange relationship with Adam was a real highlight. We never find out too much about Adam's background and the fact he speaks with an American accent whereas she is Scottish and that she calls him Chester are details which are just never addressed. His disdain for her throughout is really funny and I thought this was perhaps the best performance of Stuart Milligan's across the entire show. He was just terrific. Huey Harper's misconduct will have been uncomfortable viewing for some, but he does get his comeuppance at the end. He was played by Clark Peters, who in his audition pretended to be blind throughout the entire process, which impressed everyone involved. Annabelle Mullion played Felicity, Jessica Lloyd played Claire, Duncan was portrayed by Alistair Petrie, Stephen Billington played Neville, and Stanley Townsend put in a great performance as the frustrated and caustic detective inspector Barrison. I recall watching these episodes when I was younger and always being struck by the spookiness of the cottage and its surroundings in the dark. And looking back now, it's clear that a brilliant job was done in creating the atmosphere throughout. The solution around Duncan stopping Felicity swallowing pills rather than strangling her is a superb bit of misdirection, although it's very convenient that he was spotted at that particular moment by Kitty. And then the whole jumping off the balcony thing would have required just so much preparation and planning that you really wonder whether anyone would have gone to all the bother. Overall though, Gallows Gate is an absolute Creek classic, it's one for the ages and probably near to the top of many people's list of favourites I dare say. It featured a lot of different locations, which you would think would make the next section of the show chock full of information. The Celebration of Location Information Station
despite searching and investigating very hard, I have been completely unable to track down the location of the big gothic mansion from the episodes, the one at which Duncan leapt off the balcony. In the episodes it's talked about as being in Northumberland, but I think in reality it's unlikely the production would have moved all the way up there just for that. Everything so far in Creek has been filmed more in the south of England. If you have any information or leads whatsoever about where the bloody hell this place is, please do get in touch. Rather than leaving you completely bereft of any details this week though, we will now look at a very famous location which has been in I think every single episode so far but we haven't covered in this section to date, and that is Jonathan's Windmill. In the show it's called Briar Hollow and in real life it's called The King's Mill in the village of Shipley near Horsham in West Sussex. It was built in 1879 at a cost of £2,500, the original projected costs having been just £800 so it went well over budget. I think the same workmen subsequently went on to do the Scottish Parliament building in Edinburgh. For a while it was somewhat ahead of its time when it had a steam engine fitted for use on the days when there was no wind, kind of the opposite of renewable energy I suppose. During filming the ground floor was used as Jonathan's kitchen, the first floor as his bedroom and the second floor as the living space and work room. As mentioned in Creek Connections during episode 2, the building was owned for many years by the writer Hilaire Belloc. Earlier in the year this is being recorded, 2021, a planning application to turn the engine room into residential accommodation was turned down by the council, presumably to keep the door open for future Creek filming. Creek Connections Eight minutes, 27 seconds into part two. Jonathan is at the kitchen table drinking from a white, blue and yellow mug. These are the colours on the flag of the Canary Islands, an archipelago off the coast of Spain. The largest Canary Island is Tenerife, home to the Canadas del Chiedi National Park, where Queen guitarist Brian May spent time while studying astronomical phenomena as part of his PhD. Brian May famously built his own guitar as a teenager with the help of his father Harold, who in his day job was an electronics engineer who worked on the development of the landing system for Concorde. The final Concorde flight took place on October 24, 2003, the same day that Rosie Nix Adams, the stepdaughter of Johnny Cash, died. Johnny Cash was often known as the Man in Black and the film Men in Black was released in 1997 and was written by screenwriter Ed Solomon, also responsible for the script for 1989 comedy Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. If you take the first letter from each word of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, you can make the anagram Abate, also pronounced Abati, the surname of Italian international footballer Ignacio Abati. Among the clubs he's played for is Torino, whose emblem is a bull. Bull River in British Columbia is 73 miles long, and 73 is also the maximum number of minutes a curling team has to throw all their stones in an international competition. 
The world's oldest curling stone is dated to 1511 and was discovered in Dunblane, Scotland, hometown of tennis star Andy Murray. Andy Murray's middle name is Barron, which is also the name of Donald Trump's youngest son. Baron Trump is 6 foot 7 inches tall, and whilst this has nothing to do with this connection, his name, and therefore indeed Andy Murray's middle name, sounds similar to Barrison, as in Detective Inspector Barrison from today's episodes. Furthermore, the actor who played Barrison, Stanley Townsend, starred in an episode of period drama Heartbeat in 2001. The Heartbeat is the thing that stopped within Felicity when she was murdered in the problem at Gallows Gate. Now tell me this, how on earth are we meant to navigate our way through the drudgery of everyday life, knowing that extraordinary, unexplainable coincidences like this exist? I just... Uh, another Creek Connection, next time. Pottery Corner. Today in Pottery Poetry Corner, we've again been blessed with the presence of William Topaz McGonagall's 120-year-old corpse, which has somehow managed to scribble down its reflections on this double episode. Some call him the worst poet of all time, but you know what? It's easy to criticise, and at least the guy gave it a bash. Well, I mean, what have you ever done? If you think it's easy, why don't you try writing some quality prose about tragic train accidents? See how you get on, huh? I'll wait. Here we go then, with lines on an observation of the problem at Gallows Gate, part 1 and 2. Alas, one night ended the life of Duncan Proctor who jumped from a height without a helicopter and landed on the ground below with a splat, which made the party for his 30th birthday party somewhat fall flat. He'd invited Claire and Felicity to join in the revelry, but they'd been shocked by an open grave which might have suggested devilry, and later Duncan, the birthday boy, Fliss did rebuff, so he went downstairs and got drunk in a huff. Adam and Jonathan were appearing at a fate where an elderly gent performed a trick in a jacket of the type straight, and Jonathan called Maddie to discuss the concert of Huey Harper, and she told him about the burglar who'd ransacked her house and then scarpered. The bugger had stolen her precious computer, among other things the dirty, rotten looter, so Maddie was looking forward to a night out at the jazz, as it promised to be an evening filled with razzmatazz. At Adam's house his poor girlfriend felt shitty, and then she revealed the arrival of his sister Kitty, which caused the magician a high level of annoyance, as he did not want her to come to such a night of flamboyance. After the gig, they all met the trumpet guru, who introduced himself to Maddie by feeling her up without much ado, and when Jonathan later revealed his vision was 2020, it raised Maddie's outrage to levels of plenty. Jonathan took her and Kitty to his local badger watch, and later Kitty the crucial silence did botch, having seen a man with a woman whom he was attempting to strangle. That was the reason behind why Kitty the peace and quiet did mangle. Maddie smashed a window and they entered the bungalow, and found Felicity dead in her bath, sands, stockings and hose. On the floor was some evidence, the pipe of a smoker, 
But who was the identity of the mysterious Lady Choker? Before they knew it, in the police station they were garrisoned. As they underwent probing by Detective Inspector Barrison, Kitty pinpointed the culprit from a photo as Duncan, but considering he killed himself this was surely Buncombe. At the cottage an answer phone tape had been taken, and Claire told Jonathan and Maddie something hard to take in. Duncan's fingerprints were all over the place, he must be alive, but how the hell did his fake death he contrive? They headed to Northumberland to look over the manor, to see if in the theory of his death they could throw a spanner, and Jonathan found a clue on the patio by assessing the way in which the blood lying there did supposedly flow. Duncan was located and was promptly arrested, and charged because Felicity he'd likely strangled and molested, but Johnny Creek as ever came up with a better hypothesis, to which everyone else's was the total antithesis. It was actually clear she murdered her housemate, her actions were cruel and horrible and doused in hate, Duncan had actually tried to do the opposite of hurt her, and his actions were intended to stop Fliss's self-murder. Our final scene ends at a performance by Klaus, where Maddie tells Kitty how Huey Harper had behaved like a louse, so she assaulted the creep and here ends our story, and we'll return next time for more Jonathan Creek glory. Pottery Corner Thank you very much indeed for listening to today's episode of Get Your Creek On. You're very welcome here and it's much appreciated when you tune in. You can contact the show by emailing getyourcreekon at gmail.com or via the Twitter handle at creekget. You can help keep the lights on by purchasing the pod a coffee by heading to buymeacoffee.com forward slash getyourcreekon if you can be bothered, please do review the show by giving it 5 stars. That's 5 out of 5. Give it 10 out of 10 if 10's the option. That would really help us with algorithms and stuff like that and help more people discover the show. The next episode will be the final one of Series 2. It's Mother Redcap. How can numerous men be literally frightened to death by something outside the window of a dingy old pub? There are only two ways to find out, which are one, to watch the episode, and then two, to tune in to get your creek on like a cool person next time. That's it for today. I will see you soon. I'm Toby. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Get Your Creek On. 